And it's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I could follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's looking <laughs> at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out... What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking, like, a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, I haven't talked to you since the new year. Happy New Year, buddy. Give us a cheers. Happy New Year. Happy, heck, happy holidays, I think, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. as well, if you go. Uh, we'll hop right into the cheers. It's 2021, and it would be aggressive if 2021 really wanted to try to stand up to 2020 and say, <laughs> you know, we're going to give you a run for your money because it's going to be a worse year than last year. I think that would be relatively difficult. That would be bad uh, news. <laughs> yeah, unless the meteor of death uh, comes, and, and maybe maybe that would be a, a nice thing to have happen sometimes. So I will say... It is the new year. It is a fresh start. We are have a basketball team that's playing pretty well, and we'll that's get into right. that. And we're past last year's football season. So let's roll into 2021 in high spirits, and hopefully your workouts and your diet is going to make it for at least two more weeks. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, a lot of people like to do that sober January or, you know, commit to a new workout plan in January. I have to say, I haven't done that, but I am trying to work out a little bit more than I was at the end of December because it was getting pretty bad there. A lot of cookies over the holidays for me. I, 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 I'm not mocking people. I've started working out too. So I, I rode at Virginia Tech. Uh, I was on the club team rowing. Okay. So I bought a I Nordic Track okay. rower. Yeah, I bought a Nordic Track rower. And using that in the basement and, you know, not to get uh, too far off track, but it's awesome because rowing is so high intensity. Like it's like strains your body so much, like a really good workout takes 20, 25 minutes, like done, like, and your whole body is sore. So, uh, I, I love it. It's actually nice. I, I do that every other day and I'm trying to do my best to be a better person. Hey, man, when if you can work out at all, whether it's you know a five minute walk or a row or a bike, like anything is is better than nothing. I'll tell you that right now. That's right. Uh, it gets harder and harder in these winter months to keep that up, but uh, I am excited for what the basketball team is doing on the court right now. Let's start with the football notes before we get into hooky hoops. Uh, we had a couple of transfers after the season ended. We did our last podcast about a month ago after the UVA game. We talked about Witt's press conference and Fuente's press conference. But after that, we knew transfer portal things were going to happen. And Hendon Hooker decided to jump in the portal. Quincy Patterson, uh, we already knew that he was kind of leaving the program before the end of the season, but he made it official. Nestor and Hudson on the offensive line, they jumped in. And they've all found new homes. QP is going to North Dakota State. Nestor is going to, I think, West Virginia. And yeah. Hudson is going to Louisville. And so both back to their home states. And then Hendon right. is headed to Tennessee. How about those Tennessee Vols? They haven't been in the news much lately. No, not at all. <laughs> Tennessee always finds a way to, you know, really stay out of the news. You know, they're, <laughs> right. they're a regular BYU program. But um, in all honesty, uh, first of all, I'm happy QP. And I'm uh, kind of excited to see what he does. Like, uh, you know, with them, that's a great program and it'll be fun. I, I don't think there were any hard feelings whatsoever. I'm I'm no. super excited for whatever he does there. And that's closer the, to his home too, being from Chicago. That's right. Yeah, he's up uh he's up that way. So I get it with COVID going on. It's not that strange to see where these transfers are going and a lot of it is getting a little bit closer to home for you know, three of those those transfers. And then you have Hendon Hooker. So as background, I think everybody knows this. Jeremy Pruitt just got fired. Phil Fulmer the AD, 
is retiring, quote unquote, retiring. Um, And all this is due to recruiting violations. And uh, I think my only thought on this is, one, I hope the best for Hendon Hooker. I hope he ends up at a good spot with a good coach, all those kind of things. There's no hard feelings. But they were giving out cash in McDonald's bags. And my question of this whole thing is where do they get all the McDonald's bags? Because did so, do you buy those directly from McDonald's? Do they, or do they do you, pre-grease them so they look real? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, So do you have like a bunch of interns going and get McDonald's and then they're all like greasy, nasty like bags? Are they clean because you like you buy them directly from McDonald's or do you have like an intern go in and steal them from McDonald's? I that is it's a good question. You know, it's it kind of getting lost in all this is like, where are they obtaining the McDonald's bags? Are they just swiping them? Are, are they just going inside and asking for them? Like, hey, can we get That's 10 bags? I mean, or you McDonald's know that someone it. McDonald's is in on it. Maybe. Well, here's the thing. One of the franchise owners is obviously a UT booster. Like there's gotta be yes. one, right? Like, you know, there's some rich guy in Tennessee that owns like 20 McDonald's and, and he's the one that's supplying the bags. That's exactly right. <laughs> Literally but that was bag so funny. I, I thought about <laughs> like, that was the first thing I thought about was I was like, where are they getting all these McDonald's bags that they're just like handing out? Next thing you're going to hear is like UT players winning the monopoly from McDonald's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's it, how they're getting the cash. scandal that happened. What? 10 years Dude, ago. That was such McMillions. Game? That was such a good McMillions. documentary. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some guys that decided to come to tech and we'll start with the big one, which is Jordan Williams, the defensive tackle from Clemson. He's coming back home. He's a seven five seven kid. Yep. Four star out of high school. Uh, trying to do his last two years. I guess he has about two years left uh, with the extra year at Virginia Tech. And this is a huge get for a defensive line that isn't hasn't been as ferocious as it is historically known for. And to pull in a kid who instantly becomes the third highest rated high school recruit on our roster. I mean, it was big time. Yeah, that's a, a massive pickup. I, I will say, whether not to spread rumors, it sounds like he's probably going to only stick around for a year. I think he's okay. trying to set himself up for one good year and then go to the NFL. But I don't care. Like the, the fact is, is that's a huge pickup at a position of need. And um, being an in-state kid too is, is and cool. yeah, in-state. And then then the whole his message about coming, I'm coming back home. You know, moving and. Quite honestly, you and I have talked about on this podcast many times before, not a lot of people transfer away from Clemson. And to have him transfer away, and he's a good player, I don't know where he stacks in terms of everybody that's at Clemson and how great their talent is, but to have him transfer away and then come back to us is, um, it's exciting. And he didn't, he wasn't a starter. Obviously, he Mm -hmm. got passed on the depth chart, and that's why he's trying to get more playing time. And he talked about how a lot of times they do three down linemen, and so if you're not the lead nose tackle, like you're not getting that many snaps at Clemson. And so he's not Dexter Lawrence. You know, he's not Christian Wilkins. But he has played a lot. He has recorded stats. He hasn't just been riding the bench the whole time. And for us, let's be honest, like we're not in a position to be turning down any four stars. So... A six foot four, three hundred and ten pound nose tackle is exactly what Tierlink wants for this system. And I don't know if you read French's article. French put out a piece that detailed his fit with Tierlink and at Virginia Tech, and it was pretty good. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Listen, we go back to some of the defensive linemen that we, when we got some size on that line, and when you look at guys like Settle and, and things like that, I mean, it really changed the makeup of the VT defense. I know this is a whole different scheme and, and, and things like that, but it's, it's a big pickup and no, I'm not going to at all like say, Hey, he wasn't going to play a climate. The fact is, is that he could be an awesome and, and looks like he could be a great player for us. I'm the news was really exciting to me. Yeah. The scheme may be different, but if you can get a disruptor, at the DT position, it changes your defense big time. And what French was talking about in his article, and I won't go into all of it, so you guys go read it, but will he be a playmaker at defensive tackle and like put real pressure on the quarterback, or will he be a jammer and take up blocks? That That is to be determined. Uh, and French talked about 
you know, his his good first step and things that could play into how well he could be Virginia, how good he could be for Virginia Tech. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it's a big pickup. Uh, I'm not going to poo poo it one iota. It, it's a nice pickup, especially when you consider Ashby is leaving yep. and Hewitt is leaving. Uh, yep. We got to replace some guys on the defense. We did get the good news that Crawford is going to be back. That's right. And Belmar is going to be back. So yeah. you add Williams to that defensive line with those guys and then Barno on the other side. That, that could be setup. a nice foursome. Yeah, I think it could be a really nice setup. And yeah, I, I, I purposely didn't read through. I'm going to do it tomorrow because I don't like doing it necessarily before the podcast. I, I like reading French's stuff afterwards. But that was my thought process is, you know, we have these different schemes that do. A lot of it comes down to what do we have on the edge? Like, what do we have at defensive end? How fast are they? Can they get pressure on their own? Or does it have to be created in the middle? And I think he's a guy that can create in the in the ACC against some of the teams that we're going up against. The offensive lines are good. They're not out of this world. It's not we're going up against Wisconsin-type offensive lines. So I think he can create some pressure on his own, which will make everybody else better on that line. For sure, and he and he should be the starter, uh, I would think without a doubt. And I, I didn't mention this, but Reed is also gone. What we I think we knew that going into the UVA yeah. game that that was going to be his last game. Yep. We also had Austin Cannon posting on Twitter today with literally hanging up the cleats in his locker. Uh, so that's it for him on the O line. That was sad. Yeah, it, it's sad because he he was a guy who really worked his way up. And yep. became he even started a few games for us over the last couple of years, uh, and then Hoffman announced that he's coming back, which I think we knew. Like, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny with extra year, like everyone gets to do this, like I'm coming back announcement, and yeah. it's like, was Hoffman gonna go pro? Like, no, we knew he was coming back. <laughs> I think, yeah, I I see your point on that, but I, I and when I first started him coming out and like these announcements. I thought the same thing that you did, but then taking a step back, I think it's part of the everything that's happened with Fuente, everything that's happened with the program, trying to show that there's some sort of a unified front, like on that front, that players are still invested in the program. I think there's a lot, I think there's, whether for right or for wrong, whether you like it or don't, I think there's a media push to try and make those things happen. And that's why everybody's kind of getting their own announcement to try and be a little bit more transparent. I think that that's my take on it. And that's actually a really good point. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't considered that aspect of it, but mm. that, that is a good point. So with Cannon leaving, I wanted to note that we only have 12 scholarship offensive linemen at the moment. And that's with the kid coming in from Maryland. I'm, I'm yeah. blanking on his name right now. Uh, like Jefferson or yeah. Jordan or something like that. Uh, and he seems like he could, be a starter or at least a quality backup for us. But even with him coming in, we are only scheduled to have 12 offensive linemen <laughs> as scholarship guys. And two of those guys are true freshmen. So yeah. we, I think are going to have to stay, <laughs> keep our eyes open in that portal because I think we're going to need a couple more guys. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we make some, uh, and let's be honest, the, the names coming back, I feel confident with, you know, the, at least the, at least five, six of the names coming back, I feel pretty good about. I mean, it, it's, it sucks to lose Nestor. Um, you know, it, there's 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 no doubt that we would have loved to have those guys, but it was it was relatively deep this year. I guess is the best way to put it. It, it was it, it not, was tough, no and at, Virginia Tech is not a place that you can ride the too deep and end up you know, making your way to the NFL and you have guys coming out of nowhere like Darisaw just, and now being, you know, a first round draft pick. So uh, it's not that surprising, but I am worried about the depth just as I think you are. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Jordan was the guy that transferred in from Maryland, but with Hoyt, Lasita Smith, Zansi, Hoffman and Tenuta, you, you got a nice group right there. I think our starters will be fine. It is absolutely that second unit that took a major blow with these offseason departures. But hopefully we'll get a few more guys pulled into the program. The next thing I had was Tay Daly, a safety, is transferring in from Vanderbilt. That should be a solid addition. That was another guy French uh, did an article on. Um, 
we need safety depth as well, especially with how many safeties that college programs are playing these days. You need more bodies there. Yeah, I think that's a, I, I think that, well, one, he was obviously trying to get away from Barton Simmons, who uh, just went <laughs> over to, to Vanderbilt. So that's, that's number one. Yeah, there was um, a regime change at, at Vandy. But uh, I think it, I think it's good. I mean, he's he's good. He's athletic. I watched some of the plays that he, he had at Vanderbilt. I, he was relatively productive. I think he was third most in tackles on the, on the team. He obviously, and safe, safety depth, for us has not been great, I guess, in, in the past few years, it's been a, it's been a challenge. And I know some of that's been players that (laughs) have done some things that got them off the team, but overall more depth there is going to be beneficial. And yeah, because there are more people are playing more in that secondary because the wide receiving talent. And if you listen to a lot of the podcasts and everybody talking about what's happening right now in college football, wide receivers are becoming like, that is the thing. Like, forget your running back doesn't matter. You know, you look at who just won the Heisman for the first time that, a, you know, a wide receiver won since, uh, what was it? Desmond won it. I yeah. think it was the last time that, mm-hmm. that somebody won it, that the wide receiving position is, they are so athletic, so fast. It, it, you just, it's so, and that's such a tough position because the college football has gotten so friendly to the wide receiver and has gotten so hard to be a defensive player that you need people that when you get gassed that you can get somebody and spell you because it's tough. They're so athletic now and so fast and good. Yeah. I mean, good wide receiving talent is the key to offensive football now and college football. It certainly seems to be the case with the top teams Uh, and Tay will, I mean, he basically takes the place of Devin Hunter. Like Hunter would have been a senior for us this upcoming season. And now we have Daly instead. And and I, I don't expect Hunter to be back with the team at any point. I don't know how his legal proceedings are going. I don't think he'll be back. And so getting Daly is a huge pickup. Let's move on to the quarterback that joined the Hokies because our quarterback room was definitely hurting. Connor Blumrick transferring in from Texas A&M. He will be a QB for us despite being listed as a running back for them. He played QB, tight end, and running back, or at least was listed as such on their roster, but for us, he will be a QB. And from what I got, he was a redshirt junior last year. So it should be the same this year. He's been around a little while. So this is, if nothing else, a nice depth addition, but who knows? He might give Burmeister a run for his money. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, It's so early to tell and I, I don't want to put anything, but I feel like it's going to end up being Burmeister, the ebbs and flows of Burmeister, it'll it'll be a case study in what's happened in Virginia Tech quarterback history of the way that, you know, he, he went up and down and then injuries and, and stuff like that and then came in at times and really didn't didn't stir the pot on the fact of, you know, Hooker coming in. He just kind of came back in. And I think that shows a lot of resolve and maturity and what he did. So that's my inkling, but we needed somebody else because without him, what do we got? Three, really kind of two <laughs> quarterbacks. Yeah. I um, mean, you got Knox Kadem and Bullock, who's a true freshman. So yeah. it, it it was getting pretty light. So you needed someone to come in and Hey, maybe, maybe he, he surprises some people. He's got a big frame. Maybe he can do something. Yeah. And the last thing I had from the news and notes was Tracy Clays is retiring. And so that means Jack Tyler has been promoted to the linebacker coach, a move a lot of the players seem to be heavily in favor of. Jack is one of, I think it's seven former players on our staff. It might be eight, depending yeah. on how far down the uh, the coaching depth chart you go. But I like the addition of Jack Tyler into the, a full you know linebacker coaching position. Uh, and Clay's, some people really hated on what he had to do for the team. I don't think any of us truly know the contributions that he did or did not make to Virginia Tech football, but he's stepping away and Tyler moving up seems to be seems to be a good move in my head. Yeah, there's there's a lot of former players uh, in in the program now, so uh, all of the message board either jokes or serious comments over the years of bring in somebody, bring in somebody that's a former <laughs> player. If all those individuals are getting what they wanted because yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> it's getting real deep, which. 
it's either going to be a blessing or like a really harsh, you know, curse uh, on the program. But I love Jack Tyler. He's amazing. He was a stud linebacker, obviously a perfect position for him to come in and, and coach. And I think, I think he'll do really, really well there. I did have a couple other notes whenever, you know, if you have any thoughts on that, but I want to hit. <laughs> yeah, no, quick. go for it. Cause all, all I got left is uh, basketball stuff. So go for it. Yeah. So um, it looks like we're going to potentially have two players going in the first round of the NFL draft with Farley and Derisaw, which is pretty stellar. I think there's potential. I think Farley is pretty set to go number one QB. I mean, you know, cornerback off the, off the, um, off the board. And then it looks like, you know, Derisaw could be up there in terms of, uh, the offensive line as well, which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty incredible considering, and, and to follow that up, I think only a couple of years after the Edmonds brothers both went in the first round as well is it's not too shabby for, for Virginia tech right now. Yeah. It's funny because we haven't had a lot of draft success, but to think that to have two guys go in the first round just a couple of years ago and potentially two guys to go in the first round this year, that would be pretty impressive. I don't think too many schools can say they did that. But last I looked, I think Darisol was the second or third offensive tackle in this class. So yeah. it, it's looking like around the 20th pick, give or take five picks for Darisol, and then potentially top 10 for Farley. We'll see. Yeah. I I have my doubts. I wonder, as the draft gets closer, if guys who opted out will – you know, be unintentionally penalized because they didn't play. Their film is not as recent, that kind of thing. And a good, a good judge of that off the bat will be Jamar Chase because yeah. you got the Heisman Trophy winner in Devonta Smith going up against Jamar Chase, the, the previous year's Bolitnikoff winner, uh, who but who sat out. Yeah. And they're both amazing wide receivers. And one reason I'm interested in it is because depending on the mock draft you look at, like they're going to the Eagles, who's my pro team. So it's like, are we getting Chase? Are we getting Smith? Or are we going to take, you know, Micah Parsons at linebacker or something? But no. it, it's going to be, I'm curious where Farley's going to fall because <laughs> from being what he was as a freshman to potentially going top 10 is, is like a meteoric rise. Cause he was an utter disaster at corner when he first got to tech. Yeah, no, I agree. But if you guys are taken as the Eagles are taking a wide receiver, you're going to have Smith. And if you don't, then you, your program is just, he is, I mean, you watch that national championship game. It was absurd. Yeah, I mean, but I've never seen I, I anything know. like that. But we are, you got to remember victims of the moment. You look, <laughs> go look at Jamar Chase's stats from the previous national championship game. They were, yeah. they were incredible too. Like yeah, those, but, but it, Smith didn't play the second half. He only played the first half. Fair enough. And he had 230 yards, I think, in the first half. Yeah, three, <laughs> touchdowns, three touchdowns, 215, I believe. Yes. I was yes. paying close attention. He is a incredible yeah. talent. Absolutely yeah. sensational talent. Uh, and one last news and note, um, Shane Beamer, Torian Gray. So I thought that was uh, relevant. Yeah. So a lot of people have always clamored to get uh, Torian back at, to Virginia Tech and... We got front run by Shane Beamer and bringing him back. Obviously, those two know each other very, very well. So it's, it seems like a great fit, but that's a huge pickup, I think, for, for Shane in, in terms of getting um, somebody on his staff that I think could be really beneficial that he has a close relationship with. So that, that, that was, you know, for me, upsetting because, uh, you know, yeah. I, I love, I love Torian and I, I would have loved him back in Blacksburg, but I'm also happy for, for Shane and, and we don't have to play, uh, South Carolina until 2025. I think it was just announced. Yeah. So. That, that got announced too. In the meantime, that we are going to play them in the kickoff Chick-fil-A classic, whatever down at Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta. And that's going to be cool. I I think me and you might be north of 40 when that happens but oh, uh but I'm I would like to be north of 40. So. I would like to go to it. I'll tell you that right now. That would be pretty cool. I think that's the year. Are we playing JMU that year too? I think so. And that's the replacement game I think for Penn State. Yes. Right? So, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the replacement for But we for, got a good contingent of Hokie fans watching what's going on at South Carolina. With a lot of envy, 
yes, yes. <laughs> because that's, that's, exactly that's kind of the staff we would like to be assembling. There were some other coaching uh, notes, like Marshall fired their coach kind of out of the blue uh, with Doc Holliday. Maybe it wasn't out of the blue. There's some tension there. But uh, they hired Huff, another guy some Hokie fans kind of wanted. He was, I think, the running back coach at Alabama, number one recruiter in the country, according to 247, yes. and he goes to Marshall. So that yeah. was that was kind of interesting. That, was that put br- J.C. Pr- uh, go ahead. That, no, I was going to say that was a that was a brutal of like, let's say not just say some Hokie fans. Let's just be honest. Yeah, you, me, and and somebody else, uh, maybe named Joe. I talked a lot and and about his potential at Virginia Tech and what he could do there. And he's an outstanding outstanding recruiter. So uh, that's a huge pickup for Marshall and. Quite honestly, given their location, that is not great for Virginia Tech, given how good of a recruiter he is. If if he does a good job at Marshall, though, that's that's not more than a one or two year stop for mm-hmm. him. Like that that's the other thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, let's move to basketball, but first let's take a beer break. Right, Robbie, what are you drinking? Let me see. I am having uh Life in the Clouds, a double dry hopped IPA. This is from Collective Arts uh, Brewing. Collective Arts is out of uh, Wisconsin, actually. So, Wanakee, Wisconsin. So, uh, obviously, it's probably not as fresh as it would be if it's made uh, over on this side of the nation. But uh, that's that's what I'm drinking. It's good. It's cool. It's got a weird kind of label to it. Is that a and, squirrel on the label? <laughs> yeah, I think this has... Um, I, I'm gonna act like an idiot here, but I have the. I think I have, this has some, um, like a, a book probably tied into it, and oh, a scene okay. from something, either a book or a story tied I can't into it, it that I'm not either. smart enough to to know about. What's but, the name of it again? The clouds. It's called Life in the Clouds. Okay. If it, maybe so, our listeners will can piece it together from the name and there being like a squirrel and a bird on the label, but how is it? Is it pretty good? Yeah, I like it. It's it's good. It's a it's a New England. I went with a couple. You know, I was in a rush again today, as always. So it seems like I say that every week. But I, I was grabbed a couple nice beers, life. and it was a new one that we hadn't had on here. Well, I am drinking the RBG IPA. RBG, of course, standing for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is what they're calling a she brew. It was brewed in honor of uh, women's collaboration day i don't know but it, it's a women-centric beer from a brewery up in new york called schmaltz and they collaborated with mustache brewing company and they made this milkshake ipa brewed with, with brewed with raspberry blueberry and grapefruit and i don't know if this beer is intended for women or brewed in just in honor of women but it's quite tasty and if you're a fan of those beer liner weisses or a little bit of sour with a little bit of sweet this beer is really, really good. Um, I typically don't love these like fruity half sours, but this one is very palatable. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard a Schmaltz Brewing Company, or I think I've heard, seen the Mustache Symbol Brewing Company. Yeah. But then again, a lot of places just put a Mustache Symbol on all kinds of different things. But uh, it's from New York, collaboration brew called the She Brew, and I actually have seen it a couple different places. So maybe up my way, it's it's more common, but I really like it. Well, I will, I will say that uh, of note, as I'm going to the store and looking through, I was just at Dominion. Why and I told you that we were there this past weekend uh, and and ate some food there and then went to get some beer. I'm seeing a lot of these kind of sour IPAs all over the place now. I think there's a trend towards that new style of beer. I haven't had any I'm a little bit frightened to get in there. I don't drink sours that often. So, but there's a lot of, there's this trend I think that's happening within the beer community. Just like when new England started to pick up and back in the day you had, you know, dark IPA. So you had all these kind of different styles that always come into vogue. I feel like the next one's going to be this kind of sour IPA uh, mix. I think you might be right. I mean, obviously sours have grown in popularity over the last three to five years, quite a bit. And some people, even like the real hardcore beer people, like they love them. And I know I've never been a huge fan. You maybe a little bit more than me. I don't really know, but 
Um, the ones that are mild, like a mild sour, like kind of like this one that clearly, if they're calling it a milkshake, I've said this many times, it usually means they put some lactose sugar in there. Um, that's perfect for me because I, I don't love it to be too sour, but I'll tell you, like people, they, they really, really love the sours. And if you don't, yeah. then like, I feel like there's almost like a nose upturn, like, oh, you don't like sours? Your palate isn't, isn't like, uh, you know, good refined. enough to know no. how good a sour is. <laughs> you do not have a refined palate. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I can't even say refined palate. It couldn't even come to me. I'm so unrefined. Um, and anyway, let's move on to the basketball team because this is the good team on campus, man. This, this team is 11 and two. And wrestling, f- but yes. And, yes, and wrestling and soccer, pretty much everything but football. <laughs> I saw our softball team was preseason ranked uh but we're five and one in acc play hasn't been the hardest stretch of acc games but i will take a five and one start in acc basketball we've only had that good of a start one other time and that was the 06 07 season when greenberg took us to the tournament so it's it's historic in a couple different ways what's happening right now for tech and we haven't talked to you guys since we lost to penn state We've we yeah. and but it, since that game we've only lost one other game and that was the Louisville game that we really could have won at the last second with the look with the uh, Hunter Couture shot. I'm not sure how we stayed in that game, but we stayed in it enough to have a last shot. Yeah, I think yeah. Well, not to jump around too much, but that game we can hit the loss first and then go through some of the wins. We played like trash in that game and still <laughs> right up until the very end had had a chance at it and it it was pretty amazing just to see how the Virginia Tech fan base is really buying into what is being sold by not sold I shouldn't say that's a bad word but being told to the fan base by Mike Young because he said I think we're going to play better this upcoming weekend. And they came out and they did play better. I mean, that's really putting your money where your mouth is. You, That's not something that coaches usually do. Usually you just say, yeah, we played not very well. Louisville played well and we lost the game. Hopefully we can do better. But he said, no, I think this upcoming weekend we're going to you know, play well. And then we had the Notre Dame game and, and, and won that one. So it was a two-point game. To take that as one of our losses, Louisville's a, a pretty good team. They're not great, but they're you know probably top five, top six in the ACC. And if that's Definitely. our one loss by two points with a shot at the end of the game to potentially win it, then those things are going to happen. And and keeping a game like you said, where you don't play well pretty much at all, and you are that close to winning. I mean, it's a testament to Mike Young. It's a testament to the coaching staff. And then, like you said, we beat Miami, we beat Notre Dame, uh, <laughs> we locked Notre Dame down in the second half. I mean, it, it was kind of a dicey first half, uh, and actually, that was my birthday, and I told you I like got so drunk I passed out for the second half of, of Notre Dame. <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> when I emerged, I you know studied the film and uh, read some articles, and and we really did a number on them in the second half and played really well. Then you had the Duke win this past week, which it's not a great Duke team, but it's still Duke. They were ranked, and we came out swinging in that game. We got out to a 17-point lead. Yeah, we had to hold on in the second half, and Duke actually got it to within one. But we won by, I think, what, seven points? Yeah. And it was never – it didn't feel like we were playing Duke. Like, we felt like the better team – the whole time. If they didn't have the Duke jersey on, you wouldn't know that's a blue blood team. Yeah. I said to, I, I go into, I wear a Virginia Tech face mask when I go to work every day. And there's always some, this guy that's awesome that sits at the front desk. And whenever something pops up that like happens with Virginia Tech, he always says it to me on my way in. And he's like, he said, Hey, that was a big win against, against Duke. And he goes, you guys look like Duke and Duke looked like you guys. And I said, well, that, <laughs> I said, I, that's kind of a slight, but I'll take it as a compliment. It's, it's true, man. And that's the nice thing about beating Duke, whether they're really good or not. It, it makes people aware like, Oh, you beat Duke. Like that's, that's a nice win. And so, and that win will get better with age. They did drop out of the top 25 after we beat them. And right now, there's only three ACC teams ranked. It's it is a down year for the conference, without a doubt. The three teams that are ranked are UVA, 
and us and Clemson. And yeah. UVA and just last year was a down year too. So we're no yeah. longer a basketball conference, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on, but UNC is struggling. Duke is it does not have their best team. And when those two teams are not in the top 10, then the whole conference suffers. Um, but anyway, back to the Duke game. Aluma had 17 and 7. He was tremendous down the stretch. Radford had 12 rebounds, which it always amazes me how well he rebounds at his height, but he manages to do it. 18 points, five assists. He did it all against Duke. Cone had 14, and he was on a tear up until this most recent weight game where he went scoreless. But before that, he was averaging like 17 points per game over six games, hitting tons of threes. And I was just impressed at how good our defense has come along because we held Duke to 40% from the field while we shot 43% from three. So think about that. We shot better from three than they did from the field. Yeah, the defense is – well, I, I I don't want to put it that way because the defense has come a, a long way, and it's not just one person anymore. It's it's a multiple of people that are all playing really good defense, and they're mixing it up in the way that they're playing defense. And then on the offense, um, the the rebounding has just been, you know, incredible. We talked about it early on in the season, just the difference in the, what we're seeing in the rebounding and on the boards. And – it's it's awesome to see because it's we have a little bit more size I think now than we have in the past, but it's not that much more. It's more effort that these guys are putting in and getting those boards. So it's that part is um, it's just really fun to watch and see how excited Mike Young is about the team and then how how the team is excited about having him as a coach. It's it's really awesome to watch. Yeah. To your point, we are second in defensive rebounding behind only UVA. And the locker room after the Duke game was what you're talking about with just the excitement. And I swear, Mike Young can't make a wrong move. Like whether it's the popcorn eating or the videos from the locker room, the the press conference quotes, he is just so likable and is so Virginia Tech uh, you know that one of the problems for Fuente is he's here at the same time as Mike Young <laughs> because yeah. it's just it just shows you how stark the difference is and how good a coach can play to this fan base. Um, and let's not and he's just he's comfortable in his own skin. That's yes. the difference. Is it? It's it's not fake. It's just he's like I want to eat popcorn on the sidelines, and you're like, <laughs> dude, I kind of want to eat popcorn on the sidelines too. So yeah, you know, it's not he, a gimmick. He's like, it's it's really not a gimmick. He just, I, I, I this is going to come out wrong, but it's the only way to articulate. He doesn't give a shit. Like he just <laughs> like he he doesn't care about pandering to everything. He's just kind of his own person, and it's I don't know. I, I, the guy is awesome, and maybe next year we come out and have like a terrible record, but I'll still love him to death because just as a person, he's 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 great. He's off to a sensational start in a year and a half at Virginia Tech. That's for sure. The Wake win, 64 to 60. Radford, Couture, and Gasson, the freshmen, they carried us. Radford had 20 points on six of seven shooting. He was eight of nine from the line. Great night for him again. Couture and Gasson both had 13, and Gasson was five or five from the field with three three point plays, three and ones. So uh, <laughs> nice to see a freshman coming in, especially a freshman that you've got Ojiako there, you've got Pemsel there. You know, you've got Kiva Luma. So there's some depth, some veteran depth in the front court. And this freshman comes on and, and basically helps us get a win on the road. And it was our first true road win. Um, it, big ups to Gasan. He was the lowest ranked recruit in the class behind Bamasile and Maddox. And he is the one that's playing right now. I think the difference is, and I think it was the post game with a coach from, I think it was the Wake Forest game when they said, Virginia Tech has a group of players that don't care about like their ego, don't care about anything. All they care about is winning games. I think that was the quote that came out. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty that sure was the was gist happening. of it from Steve Forbes, the Wake head coach, I think. Yeah, and it's just obvious they they they've built a unity amongst themselves of like we're just going to go out. We don't care who's going to if you're coming off the bench, we don't care whoever you got to put up points and you got to help us win the game and there's no love lost if 
somebody has to sit out for a period of time because they're cold or whatever the case may be. It's 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 great to watch. Couture is shooting the lights out from deep. He is at 49% from beyond the arc. Cone dropped to 39% because of the Ofer, but his quick trigger and his ability to make shots and, and shoot us back into games or, you know, shoot a dagger when it's getting close. Both of those guys, God, I, we are so lucky to have two shooters like those two guys. Couture has also drawn 12 offensive fouls in 13 games, which is one of those like weird niche skills that like you wouldn't think, you never like think of it. Oh, it's this guy can draw fouls, but it's so useful and so helpful to our team and it gets the team fired up also. Yeah, and I think I was looking at stats earlier. I think Radford has been drawing a ton of fouls as well, uh, interestingly, when I was looking back at the stats. So, yeah, it's one of the... It's it's not necessarily... Well, it is an art. It is. is, Less than a talent is is trying to to bring those on, and it, it, it ends up making a lot of impact on the overall game. We did see Ojiako against Louisville and Wake. He played a total of three minutes combined in those two games because he's been coming back from the injury. But like I said, Gasson's been getting the minutes up front, but it'd be nice if we saw some more Ojiako build that front court depth just a little bit more. Uh, I don't know why Pencil hasn't gotten the court. Maybe they just like what they're seeing from the freshman, but uh, I, I like the depth. We're, we're sitting at about eight deep. I'm not counting Pencil in that but I am counting Gasson at this point. Um, it'd be nice if one more guy became really reliable, and that guy should have been Cartier Diara, but he has obviously opted out. Um, again, the defense in the Wake game, 36.7% shooting from Wake, under 40%, and honestly, it was worse than that for a long time in that game, and Wake kind of like made it tight at the end and wouldn't go away. Ugly game, but one of those like important ugly wins for a team like us to go on the road, not play fantastic, not be able to separate, but still be able to get the win. It was an important game for us, especially coming off of the Duke win, right? Those Mm -hmm. are the times that you can have the letdown in the next game. And maybe that was kind of a letdown for us, but if that's a letdown, I'll take that. (laughs) For sure. If if that's, if that's a letdown after, um, and I know Duke is not playing well, I know UNC is not playing well. Kentucky's now out of the top 25 as well. Like all the big teams are are out of it, but it's still Duke and it's still a big game. And it's, you know, to, to do what we did, it would seem to be one of those situations where you could have a fall off in the next game. And maybe we did, but we still won. Yeah. To avoid that, that letdown was, was huge. And for his efforts, Radford was named ACC player of the week which that doesn't happen too often to a hokey, so that's fantastic for him. We are 16th in the AP poll. That's uh, second in the ACC behind UVA, who's number 13, and we are second in the standings in the UVA behind UVA. They are 5-0. and We are 5-1. and And we do have a showdown with them coming up. So going forward, the BC game, which was scheduled for Wednesday night this week, is postponed due to COVID on their end. Um, so our next game will be at Syracuse this upcoming weekend, the 23rd, and then Notre Dame on Wednesday, the 27th. But before January is over, we get UVA in Castle. We were supposed to play UVA early in the year. That game got postponed. That was at JPJ. This one is in the Castle. And if we can take care of business against Syracuse, which that's not really taking care of business. That's a big ass to go up there, fans or not. Regardless of what happens, that's going to be a big showdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I think regardless of what happens, we have two losses on the year, right? So in, it's been pretty remarkable. Virginia Tech is still, it's nice because I always I was trying to Google and kind of see what national media is saying. And we're still flying just like perfectly under the radar, which is like nice, which is, I, I love, which is People know about us, they think about us, but nowhere near what everybody's talking about on the, on the national media spectrum. But if you can do that, get through these games, so you go one and one during those games, that, that game against UVA is still going to be huge. It's yeah. going to be massive, and especially for ACC implications and what's happening there. I'm glad you mentioned that because 
after the UVA game, we play Pitt and Miami. And then a, a tough stretch starts. Uh, you got FSU a couple times. You got Louisville again. Um, it, it, it's going to get hard. And so you look at the rest of the season, and I don't think we're making up these postponed games. I like So I, I told you, we, we had a postponed game against UVA, postponed game against Boston College. The, I think we're going to end up with 18 ACC games instead of 20 because I don't think we're making those up. I could be wrong. That means at this moment we have 12 games left. Seven of those are on the road, and eight games of those 12 are what I consider to be against the tough teams. That is the teams in the top 40 of the Ken Palm. And so of those eight games, how many can you win? Can you go four and four? Because if you can go four and four in those games and win the games you should, you you could finish out the season at eight and four. And that would be, that's best case scenario in my head is an eight and four finish to this season. I think seven and five is is more likely and perhaps even six and six. But we saw what happened last year. We went in the tank in the second half of the season. Different team. Uh, the guys are all a year older, and there's no Landers Nolly, and et cetera, et cetera. I don't think we're going to have just you know a, a tanking end of the year. But can we go six and six? Can we go seven and five? Because if we do, we're going to be potentially in those top four of the ACC, which gets you the double buy. Yeah, it would be huge. I mean, for the ACC tournament to. Not have to play that first game finally. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So I, I'm looking at the standings. So you got UVA in front of us, but FSU in terms of who could win the regular season title, it's UVA, FSU, VT, Duke, Clemson, Louisville, and UNC. And UNC, I'm being a little generous because they already have three conference losses and, and haven't played that well, but they still are a top 40 Ken Palm team. So... We are one of seven teams that I think could win the regular season in the ACC. I think beating UVA out is going to be really, really difficult, but we have a chance to beat them head-to-head, which would be a huge help. I'd agree. I'm excited to see how it shakes out. I mean, you look at the leaders of the team, it's it's Radford and Aluma, and right behind them you got Beatty and Mutz. Hmm. But who's going to step up, I think, is is a question of whether we can go 8-4. and four. Is, is Cone going to bounce back from this offer and start scoring 17 points a game again. Cause if he does, we'll have a shot. Yeah. I think it's cone or couture maybe, or, you know, I think that's, it's going to be tough to see, you know, how it builds out. But the fact is, is the, the fall off in the depth this year has been far less than what we've seen in other years. I mean, there's, there's been other years where we get in foul trouble and it's just, you're like, it's over. It's unless somebody comes and does something crazy, but I think we have a little bit more depth now. And I know it's not as deep as you alluded to earlier as we'd want it to be, but it's for Virginia tech right now in early in a new coach's, you know, tenure, it's pretty, pretty darn good. <laughs> I I'd say so. Um, right now we're seventh, we are seven seed in the bracket matrix, which is if you go to like bracketmatrix.com, they basically put together all of the various brackets from around the country and, you know, pour them all into an algorithm and it comes out with where you should be. And so right now we're a seven seed projected. That would be pretty nice. But if we have a good finish, we could easily be a six or a five. And I and, think Palm, Palm has us at seven as well. I think in the okay. last bracket as well. So Mary's up pretty well. Yeah, we were as high as three, which is insane, and as low as 10 in the bracket matrix. So, and I think it was like 112 different brackets. <laughs> so there's a lot of a little, a little lot of variance. But, uh, but man, it, it is cool to have a basketball team this good, especially after the football season we just struggled through. Uh, they've been very fun to watch. And we didn't even mention a guy like Naheem Aline. You know, like, there, this, like you were mentioning the depth. Like it is just a lot deeper than what we're used to. I don't have a whole lot else, man. I mean, I don't know if there's any last closing thoughts you have on on football or anything. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying the football break with the occasional, hey, we got a transfer that might be kind of decent. Like that's been kind of nice because been kind of trying to unplug from Fuente and the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was a 
intense season let's just put it that way it's probably the best way to put it and a lot of emotion put in both with what was happening on the field and what was happening off the field so i'm i'm enjoying a little bit of a reprieve from uh what we what we were going through and ready to get energetic about basketball and Hopefully this team keeps performing and then we see them in the tournament and that would be awesome. And yeah, cause there is going to be a tournament like yeah. that. At least right now, that's the plan. Indianapolis is going to host the entire tournament at various locations. And that was a, that's a big piece of news because I think that was, that's going to be a tough thing to figure out. And it's probably going to, who knows how it will be when we actually get there, but I'm excited. It's, it's, there's a plan. Happening. Yes. yes, it would seem that they can't deny that money for a second year in a row. Like that it's, would, that would it's going to happen in some capacity. Um, and also give fair warning since it's the beginning of the semester down at Virginia Tech. Don't be alarmed as a Virginia Tech football fan to see more portal announcements coming. The yeah. first week of school is always when we see more guys jump in the portal. So don't freak out on Twitter if you see more guys jumping in. That's, that's fair. All right. Well, until next time, when we are, I'm not sure, probably talking about a UVA postgame, I would imagine will be the next time we hop on here. I would agree. Go Hokies.